Ever wonder what motivates people to get plastic surgery? Did they regret it? What can we learn from the stories of plastic surgery patients? We're here to explore those questions and get some answers today with my guest Brooke McNally on the Plastic Surgeon Podcast. Hello, my friends. Welcome back and thanks to our listeners for the amazing feedback. We have had so much fun so far and look forward to more of your insights and suggestions. Please rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts to help get you more amazing content. On the Plastic Surgeon Podcast, we listen to real plastic surgery stories of triumph and pain from real patients and providers to further understand the motivations of why they would risk their life under the knife. I'm Dr. Javad Sajan today, and today I have the amazing Brooke McNally as my guest. Brooke, we're here to talk to you about your journey, how we came to know each other, the procedure you underwent, and how it helped affect you. So Brooke is my amazing patient. She underwent gender-affirming breast augmentation with gummy bear breast implants. The size she had was 445 cc's. We're going to talk about that today. So Brooke, tell us about your, we're going to talk about your upbringing your transition. We're going to focus on how life has been since then. We'll talk about surgery and where we are today. How does that sound? That's good. So Brooke, where are you from? Uh, I live in Tacoma, Washington. That's where I grew up. Uh, it's what I. It's the place I call home. Uh, I was originally from the East Coast, moved here uh, with my family. My dad was in the military and was stationed at McCord Air Force Base. And then we moved here and this is where I've stayed. How so, you liked it here? Uh, I love it here. Uh, throughout my life, early adult life, I did a lot of traveling in the Pacific Northwest uh, for work. And during that time, it gave me a good chance to go and like live in some other places. And then I would always just sort of like come back to home. And Tacoma is definitely the place I call home. And how old were you when you moved? I I moved that that period of my time. Oh, when we moved to Tacoma. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm I might have been four. Okay. Like, yeah, I was I was very young. So, so most of your adult life has all been here. Yeah. Tell us about what led you to consider that your gender identity wasn't congruent with your gender assigned at birth. Um. Yeah. So it's uh, I I transitioned very late in life. Uh, compared How old to a were lot you? Of people. I believe I was about 47 when I kind of made the conscious decision to commit to transitioning. Mm -hmm. I, um, I, I, I guess I, I kind of like now in hindsight, looking back, I, I sort of describe it as always having this feeling like, um, like I, I didn't get the memo on like I didn't get the I I say I didn't get the dude memo. Like mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like I fit. Uh, there was just something, and, and I didn't I didn't really have a way to put a finger on what that was. I mm. my my kind of like social structure was kind of established with the people that I knew. I didn't have a lot of exposure to people kind of outside of just this very same life. And I, I wasn't even, uh, before I was in my forties when I 
first actually knew a person who had gone through transition mm-hmm. like personally and i remember thinking like you can just do that you know like, yeah. and and it was this very like kind of like light bulb uh moment for me and uh and it it just started me on the path of of being able to understand kind of who I was and why I had that very like other feeling about myself. Sure. And, uh, and, and then I think once I like made the conscious decision and said, okay, I, this is something I am going to do. Um, you know, I sort of, I sort of just kind of made a plan and just started working on it. I kind of approached things like that. So, mm-hmm. so prior to transitioning uh, during your childhood, did you have a greater affinity for classically feminine toys clothes or anything like that not really no it really wasn't uh i i just was kind of i i didn't necessarily say i had like kind of an independent streak to me like i Mm -hmm. i I, the activities that i was interested in were independent activities i Mm. was into skateboarding i was into cycling and and I was not a person who was into team sports or mm-hmm. any of those types of things. Uh, but I, I, you know, my, uh, my father wasn't exactly the most accepting person. And so it's just kind of my life. Um, uh, just, it, it was, I don't know. I, I just, like I said, I just kind of like felt different, but I didn't, I couldn't really put a, uh, like connect to, connect it to any like preference toward other gender exploration as a child sure so did you have relationships with the opposite gender before you decided to transition uh i had had some experiences with but not uh not not like relationships with sure (laughs) did you have relationships with the same gender assigned at birth yes i oh uh, yeah um my like up until transitioning i was very much living kind of this perceived just straight guy life mm-hmm. i i was married twice um i and both both of those the people that i was married to both women they're great people they're still in my life today mm-hmm. um you know i just uh it was that that was kind of there was no there was nothing insincere about the relationships that I had with women. Sure, uh, it was just that um, you know I didn't really come to fully understand kind of like who I was and what I was attracted to, and I I kind of call it like I gave I got to a point in my life where I gave myself permission to be who I wanted to be, mm-hmm. uh, both in how I presented myself and the, and the, and the people that I was attracted to and that sort of thing. In those separations you had from those marriages, do you think your gender identity was related to that or not really? Oh no, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could go back and like what, you know, I, I guess, you know, that whole hindsight being 2020 thing, like I I don't, but it was for me, it was, the reasons for those uh, relationships coming to an end didn't really have anything to do with gender identity. Uh, it was, we, we just, in those situations, 
both of them, we just had their kind of very adult, uh, like this, this isn't working for us. Uh, mm-hmm. There was no, no significant drama or anything. They were both very amicable. And as I said before, they're great people and they're both very much in my life. And what's your occupation? Uh, I am an executive at a construction company. Mm-hmm. It's a commercial builder. We build schools, hotels, um, sound transit work. We, yeah, well, a commercial builder. And you've been doing that this whole time. Yes, I, uh, I, I've been in construction my whole life. Uh, I've been with this company. Actually, today is the 15 year anniversary for being at that company. Wow. And how long ago did you transition? Um, so I, um, like I said before, I kind of made a commitment to start transitioning. I think it would have been, I don't know, early 2019. And, uh, I, I made, I made a plan. I actually had like a written plan Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) how I was going to do this. And it was very loose, you know, but I kind of had like put this timeline together and I, you know, I started by, you know, talking to the people that were really close to me in my life. And I, uh, you know, I, 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 I just kind of started talking, like I kept it really close. And then I started to just kind of expand that circle of people that I was kind of making them aware of what was happening you know, with me and people were starting to notice like a little bit of difference in me, just in kind of what, what I was doing and what I was into. And I, I, I actually ended up using Facebook as a really good tool for communicating mm-hmm. what was happening in my transition. Yeah. And the way I did that was I, I, I used friend lists so that I could filter the content that I was sharing with people. Mm -hmm. And I created this list that I called out to, and then there's basically everybody else. And I made a point of going through and taught and sending a message to people, telling them about what was happening with me and that I was going to be adding them to my out to list and asking them to just kind of keep it to themselves for now, but that the content that they would see in, on my page would start to look different. And I, I just started working through my friends list and just adding people over with the goal to just eventually get everybody over to the out to list, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and then it was all kind of timed, not timed perfectly, but like, Ultimately, it ended up being timed around like when I was able to transition at work was kind of like the last thing was when we talked about it at work, when and it was from that day forward, the first day that I came to work as Brooke, um, that was that was it. Like that was that was done, you know, and then Mm. I kind of changed my name on my Facebook profile. I actually kept all of my I didn't make a new page. Cause these are all my, it's, it's still my story. It's mm-hmm. still my whole life. And it's mm-hmm. still all my friends that I had before. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to just abandon that because I had what I, one of the things I learned through the whole process was that I had a ton of spectacular people in my life already. And, you know, I think a lot of times people, 
are scared of how their friends may react to the news of whatever that is, gender, sexuality, all of these things. And I know I, it was terrifying for me, but I, one thing I learned was uh, that you can't really deny people the opportunity to do the right thing. Yeah. Like don't make up their, your mind that they're going to not accept you. You have to give them the chance to actually do the right thing. And then you find out that they just do, mm. you know, <laughs> and uh, and so really like my life, like I live in the same home. I shop in the same places. I have all the same friends. I have the same job. My life doesn't doesn't look any different. Like I look different, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but my life is is kind of the same. And I just integrated the way I look at it is I integrated me into my own life. And when you decided to transition, I know you said you got there because there was someone you knew who did it. Is that right? Uh, I was, I became more exposed to people. Like I saw people who were, it was, it was not one particular person, but just I was exposed to people who were transitioning and more trans people. <laughs> what what would you say really made you feel or get to the point that your gender identity wasn't congruent with your gender assigned at birth? Ooh, I don't know if I have an answer for that. <laughs> I don't know that there's any one thing like I, uh, I don't know. I, that's a, tough one i don't have a good answer for it unfortunately <laughs> what made you uh feel that you were and if you are please yeah. please tell me that you were more inclined to be attracted to the same gender as you were assigned at birth hmm. i well i don't know that i i don't know that i got to pick that mm -hmm. I, you know i just you just are and you felt like you were yeah I think you just are like, I don't, I don't, I don't know that you do get to pick that. If you don't mind sharing with us your yeah. current preference, because just because someone transitions, we don't want to assume oh. they have a specific liking. Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I date men. So that's, and, uh, and that I have a strong preference for men who identify as straight men too. So that not a lot of people. Mm -hmm. quite understand that sure. <laughs> they're gonna be a little confused when i say that <laughs> and did that did that interest exist pre-transition uh in uh in men yes uh yes i've i i've i've been attracted to men yes in pre-transitioning did you have relationships with men uh, i had some experiences with men but not not what i would consider like an, a relationship and did those experiences you think help you understand that transitioning was for you or didn't really do much? I saw them kind of separately. Okay. You know, and then I, I guess it's a little confusing, you know, because I came out to the people in my life as transgender mm -hmm. and then also became visible about dating men at the same time. And in a way, that kind of contributes to this like sort of unfortunate circumstance where people tend to conflate gender and sexuality, you know? Tell us the difference. So, you know, 
gender for me, like it, my, my gender is how I, I present myself and how I view myself. Um, and sexuality is, uh, you know, it, it's, it's about who you're attracted to. And, uh, and even then it's even beyond just like, like who you want to have sex with. It's like who you want to, who you want to wake up next to and who, who like, I don't know. I guess it's like who makes your heart beat just a little bit faster, you know, like who turns your head like like and and that's like um, and so for me, that's like the sexuality piece. That's the mm-hmm. that the people that I'm attracted to. And, you know, when so when I transitioned and then also started communicating to people that I was also interested in men, it actually just kind of supports this idea that, oh, well, all women trans women or otherwise are into men and that's not necessarily the case and exactly. it's just kind of like this unfortunate circumstance that i i due to timing uh continue to perpetuate <laughs> i used to joke like when i was like really stressed out about transitioning and as i was early in transition i was like man this would be so much easier if i was just telling everybody i was gay mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, people know that they're, yeah, used, they're like, used to it yeah uh, tell us about your transition plan. Can you give us an overview of what it's what it was? My plan. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was really uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I I I started thinking. Okay, so if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to transition to um, presenting as female all the time, uh, I had to understand and be very comfortable with doing that all the time mm-hmm. and it wasn't just about like going to a club and looking good once a week uh it's all the other little things just in life and that that now looking back it's kind of funny to me that i found them so terrifying but but at the time they were but it's just little things like you know you're gonna have to go and like get your oil changed and you're gonna have to go to the grocery store you're gonna have to do all of these things right and, you know, you're going to have to learn how to, like, dress yourself for activities that aren't aren't going to the club. Like, mm-hmm. you got to go to work and, you know, like, and just kind of, like, dress appropriate for whatever it is that you're doing and, and learning what my style was going to look like. Um, and so there was, like, my plan involved kind of, like, Okay, well, I would I would go out in what you know what I called girl mode, uh, you know, x amount of times per month or per week or whatever because I was on this mission to get comfortable. I wanted to be at a point where I didn't I didn't sit in my car for a minute nervously before I went into the grocery store. Like I wanted to when I got to the point where I was ready to start living full time, that I was ready to just do that without thinking like it just became. And so it was basically just a series of practice. Did people treat you differently when you presented in quote girl mode? Ah, which people (laughs) at at the grocery store, doing tasks, changing oil. No, no. And that's the thing is like, 
that's one of the things that you start to figure out is nobody cares. <laughs> but I sure did. You know, I was like, oh, this is terrifying. But I was like, nobody cares. Did like any, they just don't. <laughs> did anyone treat you differently or not really? Uh, sometimes. Like I, I've had like, I've had some weird kind of negative experiences with people who just, I don't know. They're, they're just awful people. They're, they're not, they're just looking for somebody to be mad at. I, you know, and it's not limited to just me. It's, it's, they're just, they're probably just mad and don't have great lives anyway. So could you share one of those experiences? Uh, one the, the the one that I, I i told a lot of a lot of people have heard this story uh so it was in 2019 uh christmas eve uh i i was i <laughs> i flew to boston and back i flew on christmas eve got off the plane got back on the plane and then flew back christmas morning uh, and it was basically just to get enough miles to get MVP gold status on Alaska Airlines. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and so it's like Christmas Eve, it's a red eye flight. And I'm at uh, uh, one of the places in the airport at the food court. Mm -hmm. And I am standing. There's a person at the it, counter. Is this Boston or Seattle? This is in Seattle. Okay. I'm, there's a person at the counter, so I'm standing like the appropriate distance back in line, and I'm not really paying attention other than I can just see from my peripheral vision that that person has now left the counter. And I hear the the, the person working there say, um, you know, just kind of loudly, like, um, I can help you, sir. And I had started to take a step forward. And then I actually hesitated because I'm looking around going like, oh, who's she talking to? Mm. And, the, and like, like, am I cutting some guy in line? And then there's a woman behind me in line and, and she saw what had happened and heard what had happened. And she was just kind of like kind of shrugged and was like kind of like annoyed by it. And I'm like, oh, this is not comfortable. So I go up there and then through the transaction, she like very intentionally misgenders me a couple more times calling me sir. And uh, and I because they, they don't even use a pronoun or greeting at those. I fly all the time. They don't even use those. Ever. Yeah, it was it was very intentional and it was very mean. And I uh, and I just was like, I'm not going to make a big deal about this. I just want out of this circumstance, out of this situation as quickly as possible. But then. They forgot part of my order and I like couldn't help it. And so she had like turned around and was at the like at, at like the, the pass through window to where the cook is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, and then I just was like, um, excuse me, sir. <laughs> good, good. I was going to, I was just thinking that. <laughs> you forgot. This. And then, <laughs> so she was really mad and she like huffed and gave me the stuff. And then as I'm stepping away, the woman that was behind me in line, I hear her very loudly say, uh, excuse me, sir, I would like to place an order. Got one. I was like, okay, well, you know, like, but it was, it's so, yeah, I've had some, some weird kind of interactions. And like I said, like, that person, I don't, whatever it was that was making their life not great, that maybe it was that they're working on Christmas Eve and 
the airport or whatever. I, I don't know, but some people are just mean. And, and, and you don't have to tell us if you don't want to. I just, yeah. I go, I fly through SeaTac all the time. I'm just curious. We're not going to boycott anyone or say anything. What was the name of the store? Uh, it was actually, uh, they're not there anymore. Uh, it's, it was Ivers. Oh yeah. They left. Yes. Yeah. They got now it's some other, uh, some other fish and chips. Place. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that was, yeah. But so that, but so there's been a couple of things like that. I know like, uh, when I was in Las Vegas for a conference, um, I, you know, I've had people, you know, it's like, I, I, I walked by this group of guys that were like walking across like the sky bridge and they kind of walked past me. And then I hear one of them like announced to all of his friends, like, Hey, I think that was a dude, you know, like, and it's just like, I don't know, people for the most part, I mean, we live in this like really, you know, uh, accepting environment here. So mm -hmm. I'm always kind of taken aback and alarmed, uh, when, when I do get something like that, I'm it's just like, I'm both disgusted and kind of surprised. Like, wait, mm -hmm. did that just happen? You know? <laughs> so. Uh, and going back to your plan. So you, yeah. you started, you know, presenting as a female yeah and i'm assuming you hadn't started hormones at this point uh i had started uh yeah i had started at that point okay uh and that was part of the program that was part of the plan you know mm -hmm. start hormones don't freak out about it stick with the plan practice you know just figure things out figure out how to like live as me and then at the same time you know parallel you know timeline with that is also like coming out to all of you all of the people you know it's like all the people you know like how did the hormones make you feel oh uh, that's kind of a roller coaster of good times and bad times <laughs> I've, I've, I've had some patients who tell me they had depression and it went away and some say it made it worse uh, oh, I was pretty depressed. Um, and I <laughs> on the hormones or no, before? No, before. Uh, I, I was pretty depressed, like leading up to transitioning. And then, like, once I kind of like made a commitment to transitioning, I, it, 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 I, I felt like I was working towards something that was gonna be good for me. Uh, once I started hormones, there was just like it took a little while to sort out my my hormone levels. Uh, I, I, I went into, uh, you know, my baseline, like when I first went in and got started hormones, like my baseline levels were like really not, not normal for like a cis man. <laughs> like I, I had super, super low testosterone. And I also had super high estrogen to start with. Hmm. And so then like when I started on hormones, uh, it was like my, my levels were just crazy, crazy. And then I was, I was crashing really hard. I was, I was on, on injections doing, you know, basically seven day injection cycle. And I was crashing horribly in like the fifth and sixth days, like just awful, like really bad headaches, getting super depressed. Uh, we ended up reducing my dose and then also having that dose and taking and doing my injections twice a week instead. And then ever since doing that, um, things have been great. My levels have been 
good. Um, I don't have that kind of like roller coaster action. Uh, I have really stable hormone levels now. Did your depression get better that you had pre hormones? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and I don't. I, I I think that, I think that my kind of depression and treatment of my gender dysphoria as a whole was improving just by transitioning, and then just being on hormones kind of helped that too. But being on hormones is a weird thing. Like, you know, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know, you cry a lot and all that other stuff that I didn't do before, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, uh, and sometimes it's worse than others. And, but I, I'm, I'm very happy and I, I think, uh, I'm pleased with the results like, uh, that I got from hormones um and i uh yeah i'm i'm glad and i don't have any reservations about continuing with hormone therapy forever like mm-hmm. it definitely makes me feel better so so after you were presenting more and mm-hmm. doing the hormones what was next on the plan um so it was basically just increasing frequency for presenting increasing the amount of people that i came out to figuring out how to deal with the work piece which was like a big deal uh i mean the construction industry isn't exactly widely known as you know one of the <laughs> mm-hmm. one of the most uh you know uh inclusive or kind of like uh not known for their allyship to the uh to the queer community uh and really we didn't when I started talking to our, uh, you know, president CEO of, of our company about what was happening with me, like none of us really had any idea what to do. We like I had been there for you know well over a decade. Uh, everybody knew me, uh, and we had no idea what to do. We didn't. We, so we just came up with a plan. We said, okay, well, how are we going to communicate this to all of our people? And what does that look like? And what is it that we want to say? And what does, what does the company want to say about it? And, you know, uh, and. Was your work accepting of it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was actually like a great story in my opinion. I mean, we, uh, no, nobody there really had any real experience. Um with trans people at least not a lot of people did uh, um at least not that they knew of you know and um and so we ended up writing up this like really nice memo that talked about kind of like okay this person has talked to us about you know their um you know their gender transition uh, this is, we made it very matter of fact. We said, this is, this is who this affects. This is what's happening. This is when it's happening. This is what you can expect to happen between now and then. Um, here are some links to some articles that you can go read in your own time so that you can better understand what this person has gone through, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we came because our our work is so fragmented we have job sites all over the place this isn't like an office building where like everybody comes to every day and you can just call like a big meeting you know and and uh, mm-hmm. and so we kind of and we didn't want the rumor mill to do it 
And so we just, we approached all of our project managers and superintendents uh, on a Friday or a Thursday, Friday before, talked to them and then had them have a meeting with their teams at their job sites the mm-hmm. following Monday before noon. And it was, and then after those meetings, then we sent out the actual memo so that they could share it with the team. Uh, but in that, by doing it that way, we made sure that everybody in the company got the same information basically at the same time. Mm-hmm. There was no need for a rumor mill. That's the way to do it. And, uh, and and then we didn't want it to be like just an impersonal, like here's an all company email that says this about this person. Uh, because it was something that we hadn't in our organization dealt with before. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether we would do it the same way if an, if, the next person who transitions in our company, what that looks like. Maybe, maybe then it's it's like, hey, we just let everybody know because everybody already has experience with a trans person, right? It is not brand new, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty proud of how that played out. And uh and I'm just like the way the people in our company and the the way I was treated uh by the leadership of our company and the people in our company is just, it's hard for me to talk about without getting emotional about it. It's, uh, it was, it was really something special. Yeah. You can tell, I can feel it. Yeah. Since then, how has life been since you transitioned? Um, my, uh, my life is, uh, a lot better in that I know, um, I know like a different type of content than I ever did before. Like I wake up every day in uh, a, a body that I'm comfortable in and uh, I don't have this kind of like feeling that um, like I didn't get the memo, you know, <laughs> like I, I, uh, I, I, I I live a life that doesn't have any like secrets in it. I can be I can be transparent with my friends about the people that I'm attracted to and and the things that I want to do and uh and and it's I just feel like me all the time. And, are you are you happier than before you transitioned? Oh yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I'm way happier. There's no question about that. I uh I know that a lot of people, I, I remember like as I started like sharing like pictures of myself or whatever, like on my Facebook, I remember a lot of people commenting like, I don't know that I've ever seen a picture of you smiling, you know, and 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 I kind of just like smile and laugh like most like 99% of the time now, like if I'm not laughing about something, there's something really wrong. <laughs> Where do you think that new happiness is coming from? Uh, I I just think it comes from a freedom of being, I don't know, just being who I am. Uh, you think I, not having secrets contributes to that? Oh my God. Huge. Like it's, it's crazy. And being able to live like fully and out loud, uh, it's, yeah, it's, uh, man, I recommend it for everybody. It's it's like it's almost indescribable but then 
one day it like dawned on me. I was like, oh, wow, this is what normal people feel like all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like they just get to go through life feeling like this all the time. (laughs) I didn't get to figure it out until I'm like 48 years old or whatever, you know, (laughs) but no, it's pretty sweet. Like I like it. (laughs) Do you find yourself still waiting in the car before you go into the store? No, I don't. I just, I, it's really freeing actually to be at a point in my transition and kind of like embracing who I am that like, I, I very rarely even think about my gender. Like it doesn't, like it doesn't enter into my mind. Like I'm just out just doing my thing. Like (laughs) I tend to talk about gender related or trans topics a lot because it's it's kind of like my experience and uh you know someday it will be the least interesting thing about me and that will be cool but well you're an amazing person (laughs) you know that yeah the the day that me being trans is like the least interesting thing about me will be so cool but in the meantime i'm happy to talk about it but it i most of the time like I just go through my day-to-day life and I don't even really think about it anymore. Um, and then like, it's kind of been weird because I, the, my first day of living full time was the in at the end of September, 2019. That was when I came out at work. That was it. Like done deal. Um, and, but then, you know, I only had whatever six months before everybody got to stay at home. So like there's been a huge chunk of that time that has been, you know, kind of at home, you know, <laughs> and and seeing kind of very limited people. And so in a way, it's kind of like a blessing because I get to like, you know, when I first started presenting as myself, I was wearing a wig, uh, you know, growing out my hair. Basically, I got to spend like all of COVID growing out terrible haircuts Mm-hmm. You know, without anybody having to see it, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, so, I mean, there's there's been some silver lining in that. You know, it's like I got to I got to do a lot of that. I got to have my surgery, um, you know, and work from home and all of those things. So, uh, so you know, a lot of the things you you did were, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, reversible. Right? Mm-hmm. You take hormones, you have some changes. If you stop, a lot of them will go back. Yeah. Hair, you can recut. Makeup, dressing, presentation can all change. Now, surgery is irreversible. Mm-hmm. What made you consider that? Um, I, uh, I, I kind of like when I first started transitioning, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I'm going to do hormones and we'll see what I get out of it. Maybe it'll be fine, whatever. Um, and then I, I don't know, I, I started looking at, potentially doing breast augmentation kind of early 2020. It's kind of when I started thinking, well, I would really like to have, I I think it would be very complimentary of my, my body shape. Um, I don't, I mean, there's parts of my body that I'm like not super stoked about, you know, and, but I could, I could firm this up or that or whatever, you know, but like, uh, you know, but I've also gotten to a place where I've, generally a lot more accepting of my body now than I ever have been. But 
it was just one of the areas that I was like, I, I think that this would make a really big difference for me because hormones did give me some, some growth. Um, and it made it, it was nice because I could just wear like a padded push up bra and just be fine, you know, but I kind of wanted to be able to just like wake up and, and feel like my body was consistent with what I was putting out there. Uh, and were you I stuffing had, your bra? No, I just used a padded bra. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, and then I had uh, a friend who is a trans person who is roughly the same like height, um, you know, kind of build as I am. And, uh, and she had had surgery done kind of like really early in my transition. I remember her having hers done. And, uh, and so then I remember it, like talking to her about like what her experience was like and, you know, like whether she was happy she did it and et cetera. And she was like, oh yeah, like hundred percent. Was it, was there a surgery know. local? Yeah. She actually, uh, had her surgery done by you. Oh, okay. So that's how, and, and then that was how I ended up like, you know, I said, well, who did yours and et cetera, you know? And so that was what ended up leading me to getting my consult here and, uh, and so it was definitely her pointing me in this direction. So. Did you do research before coming to me? Yeah. Yeah. I had done some research. Um, and then I just, and then, uh, I talked to a couple of people about their experience. I had, I had friend, I had cis like friends and coworkers that had had, um, breast augmentation and I kind of got their input on it too. Uh, and then, um, and then the person that I had mentioned before, she had just, she had spoke very highly of how she was treated kind of across the board by the entire staff and mm -hmm. the whole process and all of that. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm into that. And then, you know, I just kind of made the call and I, I didn't even, I didn't even go to any other consultations. Like mm -hmm. once I, I had like a super high level of comfort after our first consultation and I felt like you listened to what i had to say and that you actually heard me mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, i uh and i just i felt very comfortable and said okay yeah let's let's do this let's make how this was happen. how was that first consult uh were you nervous the night before not really like i i i don't really get nervous about stuff because i tend to like overthink and plan things so far in advance that i'm like by the time it actually happens i'm just like Oh, well here, we're here now. Like, <laughs> you know, like this, it, 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 the consultation, like in my mind, I, I, I had already made up my mind that I was going to get surgery. I wasn't, I didn't come to the consultation to find out if I might, it was, this was a necessary step. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was there to take care of the necessary step of getting a consultation and finding out more information. And, and then moving forward from there, like, and that was, so I really wasn't all that nervous about it because in my brain, I had already said, I'm doing this, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So, and I had actually planned, you know, in my early thinking of it, my plan was, was to like find a, find a doctor. Uh, and I had planned on trying to have the surgery in December. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was kind of timed around bike racing. Sure. At the end of the season. Yes, I remember you know? <laughs> talking about that. Yes. And then 
bike racing didn't happen. And, uh, and so we advanced it and then I called and said, Hey, I'd like to get in earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then, and it all worked out great. You know, the timing worked out great, uh, to do it in October and it was, yeah. So when we met, we talked about different kinds of approaches and implants. Mm-hmm. So we talked about doing either saline, regular silicone and gummy bear. Yeah. And we decided on going with a gummy bear implant. The reason we decided that was because I wanted to give you the most shape form and figure and as we discussed there's a lot of different kinds of gummy bears but we went with the teardrop shaped implant and the reason i chose that implant was i wanted to give you the most uh female assigned at birth if you will look Mm -hmm. and that implant would fill in the bottom breast when many people take progesterone or hormones to grow breast tissue when they're male assigned at birth what you see oftentimes is they get something more like tuberous breasts Mm-hmm. What that means is the breast tissue develops where the fold is. There's no real tissue on the undersurface of the breast. You see the areola be puffy mm-hmm. and sticks out. So the reason I like the gummy bear in this, these situations is it gives the best shape, form, and contour. Yeah. Now, the other advantage with this implant was I felt it was the lowest risk implant. Mm-hmm. I've been doing breast augmentation for gender-affirming reasons for many years now. And the one thing I found is the traditional round implants actually have a higher rate of rejection or capsular contracture in people who are male assigned at birth. So that's why I chose the gummy bear. And I, I put the implant in below the muscle. Mm-hmm. And as you know, there's two ways to do it, yeah. above or below. And we talked about some of those pros and cons. The biggest issue with going above the muscle, in my opinion, in a gender case, is there's not that much breast tissue. It's very thin. You're more likely to ripple, see the implant, and long-term, it becomes like a rock in a sock because there's no support. What supports the body is muscle and bone, tendons. So that's why I put the implants below the muscle to give you the best contour, mm-hmm. to give you the best longevity. The other thing is when you go below the muscle, there's a much lower risk of implant rejection for various reasons that we could talk hours about. But I'll, I'll save that. That's your wheelhouse. Yes, yes, yes. So um, we, we talked about approaches. You know, I put implants in through the armpit, through the areola, through the fold. Because of your anatomy type of implant choice selection, I decided to go through the fold because it would give me the best access to create the shape, form, and figure we wanted. And then we did sizing, right? Mm-hmm. And that's such a complicated thing. There's so many different options. How how was the sizing process when you were trying on different implants? Uh, so the sizing process, I, I, uh, it was, it was good. It was, um, you know, it was informative. It was, um, I, I kind of went into it with not knowing really much about the sizing. Like, I just kind of was like, what I, what I knew and what I had communicated to you or what my goals were. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I wanted them to be fuller. I wanted them to look natural. Uh, I wanted them to not get in the way of my life mm-hmm. in that I like to ride mountain bikes and race cyclocross and, and run and all of these things. And, and so I wanted to be able to have, you know, bigger, fuller breasts, but without limiting those other activities, because those are a very big part of my life and uh and then you know and then there's the the appearance piece of it Mm -hmm. and so you know we kind of tried on a few different sizes and shapes and uh and then when when you came in and started talking about like size we kind of landed on uh 
two different ones. And, and I think that you ended up saying, okay, we're going to do actually in between the two that we were looking at. I can't remember the exact mm -hmm, sizes mm -hmm. and say, yeah, you know, we, because yes. you, you had had some concern about, you know, like the bigger one would, would give me like too much on the side. Yes. For the cycling. Be, mm -hmm. Yeah. It would interrupt running and cycling and just be uncomfortable. And I was like, yeah. So like, yeah you're hearing what i'm like concerned about like um and then uh and and then i i kind of just said i in my mind and i don't know that i've said it out loud in the room or not but like i i don't do breast augmentation mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. that you like this is what you do and i i just had a lot of faith in that you you listened to what I had to say, and you were gonna make a recommendation that that fit what I was what my goals were. Thank and you. Uh, and so I I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time dwelling on the numbers of what the size was mm -hmm, or any of that mm -hmm. sort of stuff. I was like, because that's not that's not really important. And four hundred and forty cc's on me is going to look way different than 40 440 on somebody else you know like like there's just just like and so a lot of people get really wrapped up in like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the numbers and i'm just like ah, i just kind of i what I, I mine was very goals driven and and you know like afterward in the initial healing process i was like a little worried i was like whoa this is crazy like you know yes. just like because it was really swelling i know i told you that in mm -hmm. our you know first post-op i was like uh yeah like i was a little like wow this is i don't know if i did the right thing <laughs> i remember that yes yes i was like i don't know did i make a mistake <laughs> And now I'm like, no way. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm super happy with like the size and, and, and really the shape. Like, I mean, there's exactly. the size piece, like there's this part, you know? And, uh, I, I think that like the, the size that you chose and kind of the placement of it, I kind of like really underestimated how important this like side shape mm -hmm. was in kind of how you, how your body appears exactly uh and it's one thing to just have like a high projection out the front uh that might look good in profile like i don't know like for a window sticker or something it's <laughs> not like reality right you know like, exactly <laughs> on some mud flaps or something but it's not like it's not like what people really look like <laughs> so you know so many of my doctor colleagues brooke when they're doing these surgeries they just think, oh, it's a gender case. Let me give them volume. They'll be happy. That's the wrong approach. You have to create shape, form, and a figure that complements the body. And people forget that. With choosing sizing, there's two philosophies. Mm -hmm. One philosophy is let the patient pick and make it work. The second philosophy is let the doctor pick and patients should be happy. So I'm in the middle. Mm -hmm. So what I do is this. I ha I get your opinions, your wants, desires, like I did. Mm -hmm. Then my assistant does sizing where we yeah. do sample trials on you. Then I come in, I get the number from the assistant, what you ballpark like between mm -hmm. 450, 440, 430. And then I take that number, think about what you told me, and then I do measurements. Mm -hmm. And then I measure the chest, I measure the height of the nipple, the height of the fold, where things are, and then put all that together to give a recommendation. Like 
that fits you. And that recommendation could be more than one option sometimes, or sometimes it's one option. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think when, you know, I think they think, and no one's ever told me this, that when I, when I recommend a size, I'm, uh, there's not a hundred decisions into it. But when I recommend a size, I've actually thought about a hundred to 200 different things, how they would impact you, how they fit you before we get to that number. Yeah. I, and that's like I like I said, I mean, this is like this is your wheelhouse. You're mm -hmm. the expert. You're the one who's gotta know what 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 you can safely mm -hmm. do and you know the complication. And I don't even want to hear the details of like <laughs> what you do, like because I can't handle it. I'll pass out. <laughs> I remember like because I the like the you did them live, you know? Yeah, on and, Snapchat. And I I remember like one of my friends, like in like this message board group that I'm in, like uh, she was like live commenting on it to the group, like, oh, they've got one in and oh, now they've got both in. And yes. I'm just like, <laughs> and I was like, I don't even, I would never watch that. I would, I wouldn't make it, I wouldn't make it one second into it. And I would be mm -hmm. completely passed out. <laughs> it's something, it's something, but you sharing your experience, you know, it helps yeah. other women realize cis or, cis or, you know, gender affirming yeah. or trans or, you know, what. Um, I hate to say, just say trans because yeah. there's, there's such a spectrum, right? Yeah. Um, that this is possible. And although it's a big, huge deal, it's not an insurmountable operation. You follow me? No. I, 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 uh, I was a little, I think, just kind of going back to like what my experience was with the surgery a little bit. Uh, I, I feel like in my head, I underestimated the recovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, and I think there's two components to that. Like I might've had too high of opinion of myself. And then also I had, uh, I had a lot of feedback from people that were like, oh yeah, you know, I had a week off and then I was back at work in a week. And, you know, I think that some of those people had they gotten them done like 15 years ago. So your mm -hmm. brain, you like, your mind gets a little, your, your yes. memory gets fuzzy, you know, like. But in my, uh, my experience, I would, uh, it was tough, you know, and, and if I could do it all over again, like the couple of things I would change in my recovery is I would have bought or ordered or something or rented like the coolest, sweetest electric recliner money could buy hmm. whatever I could afford. I would have rented it, whatever, because I would have just lived in it like, you know, like the whole like not being able to sleep on your stomach and mm -hmm. needing to like be kind of propped up was just like it was tough. Like mm -hmm. uh, I and I I underestimated how hard that was going to be. And I underestimated how little good sleep I was going to get it's for tough. how long. And then, you know, like after a month, I was better. But the first, you know, first month was really tough. Like it, it shouldn't. I, it doesn't do anybody any service to downplay mm -hmm. what what it, what it really does take. But now it's like you know I'm all like two two months in a week or mm -hmm. you know what somewhere in that timeline, and I'm just fine. Like yeah. I'm 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 just doing all the things I do. I'm back to running. Uh, I'm I'm just I'm I'm okay. Like it's I have a little bit of swelling still, but it's I'm good. You know, a lot of athletes their recoveries are sometimes a little bit longer because, and I remember your case, because the muscle is so thick and tight that the more muscle work you do, 
the more sore the person is. And you, and you, I had to do an extensive release and to get an implant in there that fit nicely and gave you that side profile. Yeah, it just comes with it. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I, uh, that was just the thing that of of, of all the things, I, and it wasn't through no fault of any of the communication mm-hmm. by you or no. anybody else. Mm-hmm. It was just I, I underestimated how how tough it was going to be. And I remember th- at two, I had two full weeks off and I'm at two weeks and I'm listening and I'm thinking back to people that I talked to that they said, oh yeah, I went back to work after a week. And I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to go back to work after two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know. Yes. Like, who are these people? <laughs> yeah. No, that that's true. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts. No, it, and, uh, but I, now there's, I wouldn't change it. Like I wouldn't change size. I would like it. I'm, I am very, very happy with the results. Just, I can't, I can't say enough good things. I'm like, thank you. Really, really excited about the results. Brooke, thank you so much for bringing our guest today. I've learned a lot. I know your ordeal will teach our listeners how and what to expect as they start their own journey in plastic and reconstructive surgery. I appreciate your time and I'm honored to have you as a good patient and I hope you feel as a friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Plastic Surgeon Podcast and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts for more great content. Tune in next week for an amazing podcast for my live surgeries on Snapchat and adventures throughout the week. Catch us on all social media at Real Doctor Seattle. See you next time. Bam. What?